the book of Psalms is a real treasure. And there's so many beautiful things in, 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 the, in the book of Psalms, and I think it's something we should make part of our lives. Now, I want to encourage you to, to read the Psalms. Do you know that Jesus read the Psalms? In fact, when Jesus was around, it was like the hymn book of the day. And Psalms were meant to be sung. And he knew them. And I, I want to tell you how, how I knew, how I know he knew them was because in his darkest moment, he quoted them. We're here today to celebrate communion. And today I want to celebrate communion from a point of view of God's faithfulness. And as we have communion today, we want to remember God's faithfulness. And nothing un can undo what Jesus did on the cross. Nothing can reverse it. But some of the most famous words that Jesus said were spoken from the cross. And the one set of words he said is the following. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know that he wasn't making those words up? They weren't just a desperate cry. He was quoting the Psalms. In Psalm 22, verse 1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know, it's a wonderful thing that we can hold on to these things. And I wanted to encourage you in that today. Maybe make it part of your personal devotion in line with that and in celebration of God's faithfulness, won't you turn with me to Psalm 138? It only has eight verses and we're just going to read them. Psalm 138, it's a psalm of David. We're going to read that, notice a few things, then have communion together and we are going to thank God for his faithfulness. Now you might be sitting here and you say, Andrew, you don't know what I'm going through right now. God's faithfulness is not a reality to me. Well, then thank Him in faith. You may be here today and things are going well. God has done miracles for you. As you take communion today, you can thank Him for His faithfulness. Psalm 138, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says, I will confess and praise you, O God, with my whole heart. That's what we've been doing. We've been praising and worshiping the Lord. And David says, I will confess and praise you, O God, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praise to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and I will praise your name. Again, that's what we've been doing. And he gives us some reasons. He says, for one, your loving kindness. For two, your truth. Not facts truth, and faithfulness. For you have exalted above all else your name and your word, and you have magnified your word above your name. God puts 
even more weight on his word than his name. So if you have a word today, you hold on to that. You hold on to that. Maybe you're trusting for a wayward child. You hold on to God today for that. I don't know what you trust him for. Verse 3. In the day when I called, you answered me, and you strengthened me with strength in my inner self. All the kings of the land will give you credit and praise you, O Lord, for you have heard the promise, for they have heard the promise of your mouth. Yes, they will sing of the ways of the Lord and joyfully celebrate his mighty acts, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, yet he has respect for the lowly, bringing them into fellowship with him. But the proud and the haughty he knows and recognizes only at a distance. Verse 7, which is our theme verse. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and with your right hand you will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, endure forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. The Psalms are so beautiful. And we're celebrating God's faithfulness today as we have communion. But the interesting thing is that sometimes life and trouble go together. Who of you, if you have to be honest, would say with, say with me, I'm facing some troubles. I'm facing some issues. Do you know that Moses faced some issues? David faced some issues. Our Savior faced some issues. And you might be in that, in that place today where you've, you're facing some troubles. In fact, the Bible says he is a place of refuge when troubles come. It doesn't say if troubles come. And sometimes you can be in the midst of it. You can be in the thick of it. And if you look at that verse 7, it says, though I walk in the midst of of trouble. It's not a nice place. But the great joy is even there, He is with you. And I want to encourage you God is with you. You are not alone. What you are facing, you're not alone. He is with you. You see, when Jesus said those words on the cross, on the cross, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that none of us need to be forsaken. In Psalm 23 and verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you are with me. But notice that scripture, it says, though I walk in the midst of trouble. I want to remind you, it's a walk. That means you keep putting one foot in front of the other. 
You keep on walking. It reminds me of the book Pilgrim's Progress, where this character had to carry these things, but he had to keep moving forward. And it's a walk. It's not a place where we camp. It's not a place where we set up our residence. We walk. Why are we walking? Because it's passing. We're walking because we're going to get through. It's not a time to stop or lie down. It's not a time to die or give up or throw in the towel. We must keep walking. I believe we must have a we will never surrender attitude in this walk that we are walking. But it goes on in that verse. It says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You can be revived in the middle of trouble. And he wants to come in and revive you. What does that mean? He wants to make you live again. Sometimes we're in, when we're facing troubles, we feel like we're dead on the inside. But he wants to come and revive you and bring you back to life. He wants you to flourish again and anew. He wants to come and revive you. Maybe as you drink communion today and you celebrate his faithfulness, you can say, God, in your faithfulness, will you come and revive me today? Because God wants to work on your behalf. It goes on in verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand. I want to tell you, when God's hand moves on your behalf, nobody can stop it. You stretch forth your hand, and when God stretches forth your hand in, and touches your situation, nobody can stop it. He will deal with the situation, and he will deliver you. And God's hand could even have a way of restraining things. Maybe you're worried that there's going to be damage. His hand can even restrain things. The issue is his hand is at work. I remember years ago, somebody coming to preach at our church, and they said, either God works and we rest, or we work and God rests, we can choose. And then it goes on and it says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me, you will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. Now it says, I will stretch forth my hand against the wrath of the issue is we don't fight against flesh and blood. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, for our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't miss the battle. God will raise up his hand against the wrath of your enemies. Because why? He wants to save you. 
Carry on in that scripture. It says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. I just see this picture of of Jesus reaching out to his disciples as he has just walked on water. Now he starts to sink, and I just see how he lifts. He wants to lift you up today and save you in the same way. And I want to encourage you and say, let go and let God. Now you might say, well, why? How? Why should I do that? Well, because the Lord has his perfect plan for you and he is going to work it out. If you read the very next verse, it says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. In another translation, it says, in the Living Bible, it says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. And so, Lord, we let go and we let you. We thank you that you have not forgotten us. You have regards for the humble and the lowly. And we thank you for that. Don't forget, no matter what you're going through, you can always call on God. If we go back a few verses to verse 3, Psalm 138 and verse 3. In the day when I called, you answered. You strengthened me with strength in my inner self. And God wants to answer you. God wants to be with you in the challenges or difficulties you're facing or that may come your way. He wants to see you through. He wants to complete and perfect the work he started in your life And he wants to fulfill his promises. And on top of it, you can know his fresh mercy each and every day. Verse 8. Your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, endure forever. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your loving kindness today. And as we have communion now, we want to... Thank you for your faithfulness to us. What a wonderful God you are. You have not forgotten or abandoned. In fact, you have no intention of doing that. You are with us in the midst of trouble, in the walk of life. You're constantly ready to revive us, work on our behalf against those principalities and powers that would like to see us or our families destroyed. You want to save us and so we can let go and let God because you will work out the plans and so we just call on you afresh and we say thank you for your fresh mercy today in Jesus' name. Can I ask